Welcome back, beloved. Today, we are going to be talking about Isaac as a type uh, or foreshadowing of Christ. So Isaac as a type of Christ is our message today. And first, I just want to explain what is a type or a foreshadowing of Christ. For example, the Passover lamb is always a good example. That is a clear foreshadowing of Christ. Many of the apostles use that foreshadowing. And so in the Old Testament, what's amazing is there are hundreds of very specific prophecies about Jesus Christ that he fully fulfilled, right? Uh, proving that he was the Messiah. But there's also dozens and dozens of types of Christ and foreshadowings of Christ. And I find these amazing. Now, you have to be careful that you're not trying to pull blood from a stone, right? Like Charles Spurgeon said, whenever he opens the Bible, he searches as fast as he could to find Jesus, it, Old Testament or New. He was always looking for Jesus. That's how I read the Bible as well. No matter what book I'm reading, I'm looking for Jesus. I'm seeking the Lord. Um, and he is all throughout the Old Testament. But there are a lot of types that the apostles brought up specifically. And then there are some that they didn't. And I wanted to bring up this verse. This is why I think uh, that is so. Um, there's many types that are clear that are not you know, fully brought up. Psalm 119, verse 162. I love Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's all about how amazing God's word is. And he says, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. So I believe the Bible's revealed absolutely everything we need to know. It's fully sufficient. However, I think there's some more digging to be done. There's plenty of types uh, that the Bible alludes to, and then we can go, or the apostles allude to in the New Testament, and then we go back to the Old Testament and we study, and the goal is always that we feel like we found some great treasure. And so today we're going to be talking about Isaac, specifically about how he went up on Mount Moriah and was almost sacrificed, killed by his father Abraham. Now before I do that, I want to give you some quick background on Mount Moriah, and then I'm going to give you some quick background on Isaac, and then we're going to jump into the scene where he's almost sacrificed. And so this is from That the World May Know, their, their main website on this. Just some basic facts about Mount Moriah. Um, the top of Mount Moriah is somewhere right now between the Temple Mount and Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem. It has played, uh, that specific area has played huge roles in all, you know, uh, of the Bible. It's amazing in God's redemptive plan. And we know Jesus is coming back to the Mount of Olives, which is very close. So it's all pretty amazing. Um, so first with Abraham, uh, God told him to, uh, Abraham to sacrifice Isaac in the region of Moriah and on top of a, a hill or a mountain. We don't know exactly which one. Um, it, I imagine when we all get to heaven one day, it's going to be clear that it was always the same one, but I just don't want to go beyond scripture. Um, so Abraham and Isaac, we're going to hear about them on Mount Moriah today, but also David. There was a plague in the land, and he actually bought uh, he he bought an, an altar. I'm sorry, he bought a field, built an altar uh, to get rid of the plague. He sacrificed to the Lord. Um, God sent down fire on the altar there. David also brought the Ark of the Covenant into his city on Mount Moriah. Solomon built the temple there, and then Herod rebuilt the temple there. You know, the temple's huge, and most importantly, very near this mountain, probably. Possibly even at the base of it, some people will say, um, but it's just not, you know, we don't know the exact place. 
is where Jesus Christ was crucified, right? And if it wasn't on this mountain, it was very, very, very close. And so this area, and probably if I had to guess, but possibly this mountain uh, is very important in God's redemptive plan of history. So I just wanted to give you some background on that. Now I want to give you some background on Isaac. I'm going to link this video on the end screen, uh, end screen to the video I made, Did Abraham Meet Jesus? And it's you'll hear a little more about Isaac there if you watch that one. Um, but I want to give you some background on Isaac. Um, this is God speaking, the Lord speaking in Genesis 18. He says, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, this is Abraham's wife, uh, shall have a son. This is, you know, he's saying this is going to be Isaac. Sarah was actually listening while the Lord and Abraham are talking here. Um, the Lord met him by the Oaks of Mamre. And Abraham uh, and Sarah were old. They were well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. If you remember, her barren womb, that's a foreshadowing of the virgin womb of Mary that bore the Messiah, right? But when Sarah heard that she was going to have a kid when she's this old, she doesn't believe she can physically have children, she actually laughs, saying, After I've grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, lowercase Lord Abraham, being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, uh, saying, Surely I shall bear a child since I'm old? And so he says, Is anything too hard for the Lord, right? And so uh, a couple events happen that you can watch my other video, but then the Lord comes back in the future. He visits Sarah and he says, um, the Lord visited Sarah, this is Genesis 21, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son, this is Isaac, in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac, which actually means he laughs, right? Going back to the laughter. So you have to understand, this is the Lord performing this that he promised. Isaac is the promised son, just like Jesus. He's the promised Messiah. He's the son of God, right? So they're both promised sons. So you're starting to pick up on some foreshadowings. Um, going on, then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old as God commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh and all who hear will laugh with me. Going on further, uh, Sarah, so now Sarah has Isaac. I'm just giving you some background on Isaac before we get into the sacrificial thing. Um, and Sarah saw the son of Hagar. This was a, another like um, kind of a concubine of Abraham. Uh, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, scoffing, laughing at her son Isaac. Therefore she said to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman will not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And that's actually allegorical, or that's th that actually happened, right? Um, but that's actually a foreshadowing of the son of the bondwoman, those who are in the flesh, are not heirs with the sons of promise, with the children of God. And so those who are of the flesh scoffing and laughing at those and persecuting those who are of God. It, it was like that way for Isaac and Ishmael. It is like that way today. It is the will of God that believers you know, will be persecuted or laughed at or mocked for their faith. But we are children of God, and that's why we just take it, and that's okay, right? And so th that's, you know, that's an important thing there. But getting back to Isaac, 
Uh, then God said to Abraham, uh, so Abraham didn't want to get rid of Ishmael, but God said, don't let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. And this is so key here before we get into the sacrifice thing. God says to Abraham, the Lord says, listen to her voice for in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Jesus Christ came according to the line of Isaac. Isaac, your seed, singular, shall be called. Doesn't mean everyone born according to that line is going to get saved. He's saying the Messiah is coming according to this line. In Isaac, your seed shall be called. The apostles picked up on that, and, and I want to make sure I do too. And so now, now you have some background on Mount Moriah, you have some background on Isaac, and you have some backgrounds on types and foreshadowings of Christ. Now we're going to get into Genesis 22, which is the, the heart of the matter today. And so here we go. Genesis chapter 22. It came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Now he didn't tempt. God doesn't tempt anyone. He tested him. He's going to test his faith here. He tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac. Now remember, this isn't Abraham's only son. So you have to be able, you know, study the Bible and pick up on these things, right? Just like Jesus, he's the only begotten son of the father. He's very, he's truly God and truly man. Well, Isaac is the only son of the promised seed, right? And so that's important. Um, so take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Remember, Moriah, Mount Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So this is crazy. God, you know, this must be heartbreaking. God, you know, promises Abraham the son. He says, and Isaac, your seed shall be called. Now he's saying, go, and you're going to have to sacrifice him, right? Um, but Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey. Now, if you're digging too much for gold, you might say, oh, Jesus came in on a donkey. There's little things like that that I kind of smile at, but you never know, right? I want to focus on the bigger ones and not get stuck in the weeds. Uh, he took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And this is the big one. He split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, right, Jesus wrote on the third day, so I think that's important. Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. I think that's important. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering. He lays it on his son, Isaac. He takes the fire, a knife, and the two of them go together. They climb up the, or walk up this hill or mountain together, whatever it is. Isaac is kind of bearing his own cross. He's bearing the wood to be used in his sacrifice. I mean, look at John 19, 17, talking about Jesus. He, bearing his cross, went out to a pl the place of the skull called Golgotha. And you can see this common theme there. You start to see the foreshadowing very clearly that Isaac was a type of sacrifice, a type uh, of foreshadowing of Christ. They're both um, you know, uh, carrying that wood there. It, it's often been said, too, that what Jesus actually carried was just the horizontal bar uh, of his cross, which we know when he was uh, exhausted and emaciated, he eventually, Simon the Cyrene, had to help him with that, but he carried it for a time. 
Um, so going back to Genesis 22, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on his son. He takes uh, his, his, took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them go together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, we have the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for, the, for a burnt offering? And this is so important. Abraham says, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, right? So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told them. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. So Isaac is bound just like Christ was pierced, you know, and, and bound to the cross. Isaac is bound now. He's on the wood. Um, then Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord, which I believe, and it's very clearly, whenever the Old Testament says angel of the Lord, that's a pre-incarnate appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ, called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, don't lay your hand on him. Don't do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. You fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. That is so important, right? Because we know this isn't Isaac's, I'm sorry, this isn't Abraham's only son. He also has Ishmael. So he's saying, your only promised son, your only son from me, just like we know God loves us because he did not withhold his own son from him, right? He who has given his son, he, he's going to give us so much more freely, right? And so your son, you know, your only son, I just love those words. And so then going on, Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Caught in a thicket by its horns. Remember that. I'm going to bring that to light in a second. So Abraham went and took the ram and he offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. So there you get substitutionary atonement. Instead of his son, the ram is the sacrifice. And Abraham called the name of the place. This is so important, especially knowing our Lord was crucified on or near this area. He calls the name of this place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And I think every true follower of Jesus Christ can say, wow, God really did provide a lamb for a burnt offering. A couple Old Testament verses, right? Isaiah 53 talks about Jesus 700 years before he's born. He says he didn't open his mouth when he was oppressed and afflicted. He was silent. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. And I think uh, John the Baptist, you know, he says, behold, John 129, as soon as he sees Jesus, I think he's picking up from this imagery and from these prophecies. And he says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 19 too, remember the ram caught in the thorns. Remember the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on Jesus's head, right? He's the ram caught in the thicket. He's our instead of us, right, taking the wrath of God, he took it for us. First um, Peter, I just love this verse. He says, we've been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before, this is so key, 
before the foundation of the world, right? The story in Genesis about Abraham and Isaac this is written 1,500 years before Christ is even born. It took place thousands of years before Christ is born. Because Christ, Jesus, the Messiah, was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you. God manifested, right? Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so Revelation 13, I love it. It says, all who dwell on the earth will worship him. That's the Antichrist. That's the bad guy. You don't want to worship him whose names have not been written. And been written in what? In the book of life of the Lamb slain, Jesus Christ slain from the foundation of the world. The plan was always Jesus. Before the foundation of the world, God knew we would fall. Perfect love story. It was Always. Jesus was plan A. He was not plan B. God is sovereign. He knew before creating the world, obviously this would happen. He knows everything. And so you see all of this glory, all these foreshadowings, all these types, all these specific prophecies, they point to the Messiah, Jesus, right? And that's because <laughs> the lamb was slain from before the foundation of the world, right? So that's the whole point. Amazingly, Jewish people, they believe the whole Old Testament, right? They see this Abraham and Isaac story and, and they know, they believe God set up the one true faith on the earth, right? And they don't understand that he set it up starting with a basically a skit or a play <laughs> of Abraham almost sacrificing his son, right? And then he sets that up. I mean, Abraham's a patriarch, uh, even Muslims, they believe sort of in this story. They replace Isaac with Ishmael, but they sort of believe in this story. But they lose the bigger picture of what God's trying to show us. It's that he is going to sacrifice his son for us, right? Uh, I mean, just so, you know, we, we lose the big thing by getting caught in the weeds, right? And so that's the most important thing. So now going back to Genesis, as soon as all this happens, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven. So that whole thing happens. And then the angel of the Lord, who I believe is Jesus Christ, says, by myself I have sworn. So this whole thing happens. Abraham almost sacrifices Isaac, right? And then he doesn't have to. And then he gets this promise from the Lord. By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, right? He's beating it into our head. <laughs> he says, blessing, I will bless you and multiply. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. Your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. If you read my Millennial Kingdom video, uh, that, or watch my Millennial Kingdom video, it can talk about that, possessing the gate of their enemies eventually. That's, I believe that's the plan. But this next sentence is so key. He says, in your seed, singular, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Look what Paul picked up on in Acts chapter 3. So that's the Messiah. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That's the gospel, the coming Messiah. They were looking forward to the coming Messiah. We look back to what Jesus did. And so Acts chapter 3, it says, you are, Paul is, is preaching, or I believe Peter, I, I apologize, in this moment, I don't know if it's Paul or Peter, I'm kind of beside myself, somebody's preaching, <laughs> but this is what is recorded in the Bible, it's so important. It says, you are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, right, of the covenant, in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's the gospel, that's the coming Messiah. 
To you first, the Jewish people first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning every one of you from your iniquities. That's what Jesus does. He's the Messiah. He died for our sins. He turns us from our sins. We repent and we believe on him. And by believing in him, we believe in God. Uh, Hebrews 11 picks up on this. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, this is talking about the Isaac thing, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So this, I believe the writer of Hebrews is Paul. It's not incredibly clear, or it's not crystal clear. It's pretty clear. Um, some people believe the writer of Hebrews is unknown. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, it, the Bible's written by the Lord, right? So this, the Lord says, and it clearly shows us, okay? Isaac going up to be sacrificed and then living after that, even though he didn't really die, that's a type or foreshadowing of him coming back from the dead, of the resurrection from the dead, right? And that's super, super important. All these foreshadowings, that's one I didn't even pick up on, right? And then so Galatians chapter 3, uh, just uh, one more verse or one more set of verses here. It says, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted, literally credited to him for righteousness, that's by faith in Christ, we literally get all Christ's righteousness credited to us, okay? Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham, only those of faith and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, the nations, anybody who's not a Jew, by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So that's they're picking up on this. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. And so you see all the types, all the foreshadowings. Isaac is a clear type of foreshadowing of Christ, and there's so much that we can glean and, and learn from it. Understanding, like I love where it says, the lamb was slain from the foundation of the earth. This was always the plan, and God has been revealing more and more about the Messiah, more and more about himself to us as time goes on. The fullest re revelation from him is in his son, Jesus Christ. And so I, I hope you guys like this. I would definitely encourage, if you haven't watched it, to watch my uh, Did Abraham Meet Jesus video. But the, the entire Old Testament ports to, uh, points towards the Messiah, who is Jesus Christ. And going back to Psalm 119, when I find stuff like this, I rejoice as one who finds great treasure. And I hope you guys do too. Have a great day. And good luck treasure hunting. <laughs>